Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. This would be a good spot for me to stand. <laughs> Cords out of the way. It's good to have you here this morning. Um, we are in a series. We're calling it "What Would Jesus Undo." Um, when I was in high school, I mentioned this last week. They had these bracelets that people would wear called WWJD. Mm-hmm. And it was a really cool thing to do, apparently, at my high school for everybody uh, to wear one of these. Um, and I think literally some people didn't know what it even stood for. They just wore them because it was like a fashion thing. Mm. Um, but we're not talking about what Jesus would do. We're talking about in this series, what would he undo? And we might say he would undo a lot of things. There's a lot of brokenness in our world. But there are certain things that we'll look at in the Bible that were particularly troubling to God. The things that that, that um, he just couldn't stand for. Now, obviously, sin is, is an affront to God. And so any sort of sin, uh, we would say, uh, God doesn't uh, want. But there are certain things that we would see Jesus in his own life standing up against. And uh, there are certain things that seem to trouble him a little bit more than other things. And so um, maybe you came from a church background where you said all sin is sin. And that's true. I'm not saying that, uh, that certain things are not sin. But I'm saying these things just seemed in the Bible to trouble Jesus more than other things. So that's what we're going to look at. And what would Jesus undo? And in particular, what would he undo in our lives as these things crop up in our own lives? We talked about last week um, spiritual indifference, where we can come into church, we can be a part of Christianity, and it just doesn't move us. It doesn't mean anything. It's just whatever. It's kind of just meh, meh, I went to church, whatever, go with my life. And so that sort of thing, the Bible says it actually doesn't just hurt God's heart. It turns his stomach. In the book of Revelation, it said, Jesus, I want, to, I want to spit you out of my mouth. He says that to this, this church that's just kind of indifferent. They don't really care about what they're doing. They just go through the motions of, of Christianity. And he says, you know what, that turns my stomach. Um, this week, I want to look at something a little bit different. It's, it's somewhat connected, but I want to look at it from a different angle. Um, and I'll use this illustration. When I was a youth pastor, um, we used to give out gift cards uh, to people. We, we got to the point where we did games, minute to win at games. It was fun. I was pretty good at coming up with little games. Uh, and then we give out little prizes in, in here and there. And it was kind of like a thing. We'd, we'd make a little advertisement, come to this event. We're giving out Starbucks gift cards, Chipotle gift cards, and so on and so forth. Whoever likes to get a gift card? may like to get a gift card? Okay, that's not bad. I mean, if you get one that's for something you don't care about, then it's like what? and just goes in your wallet and you forget you have it. But we would give these out. And um, because we were on a budget, um, we would say we're giving out gift cards, but we'd put like five bucks on it or something like that. You know, it wasn't like anything major. Um, you know, we'd load them. We'd have like a whole stack of them, but there was there was very minimal actual money on the gift card, but we were giving out gift cards, and, and that's kind of a cool thing to do and say. Uh, and I was thinking, you know, if I were to give out gift cards today, but maybe I forgot to just, I forgot to load them with anything. Everybody might get real excited because you get this great gift card. I actually got one in my wallet. And I know if you ever had one floating in there for a while, you don't even remember if there's anything on it or not. But, you know, it's great. And I'm like, hey, man, who wants to eat at the root cellar this afternoon? You don't even know what that is. It's a Lexington restaurant. I got a gift card. I'm going to give it to you. But, you know, I, I couldn't even tell you if there was a dollar on this, right? <laughs> I mean, I'll give this to Mike. Y'all, y'all take Connie out, you know, for Mother's Day at the root cellar. Here we go. Um, what, what, what would happen if he showed up there and then it was empty? There was, there was nothing on there. It's a great expression. The card looks great. It's wonderful. But when there's nothing behind it, it's, it's hollow. And I want us to consider what if all of the songs, what if all of the, 
our, 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 our preaching, our sermons, all of our church attendance, all these sort of things actually are, are hollow worship to God. What if it looks great and it gets you excited, but on the inside of it, it's really nothing? That, that's something we should consider this morning because Jesus stood against hollow worship. He stood against hollow worship. He wanted to undo that whenever he saw it. In Matthew uh, 15, uh, the Bible says this in verses 1 and 2. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Okay, so I grew up in a home that you washed your hands before you ate. My mom was like a clean freak. I guess she still is. I don't know. And it kind of transmitted to myself. And I'm always, I'm always messing with my wife. And I'm like kind of OCD about this. You know, did you wash those potatoes? Like she's chopping potatoes. Did you wash those potatoes? And I'm always about that. I don't want no dirt on my potatoes when you're chopping them up. Wash them. And she's probably washed them twice. And she's like, I washed the potatoes. Um, so Jesus, these, the Pharisees were not talking about like sanitary conditions. They were not talking about actual cleanliness. or Because, you know, some people are a little bit OCD about bodily. You know, get that, you know, you get that, uh, what's the stuff? The sanitizer. That's like a great thing. I break out the hand sanitizer, everything. I, I don't really get in the sand. I just wash my hands. But Jesus, it, it, they we're not talking about physical cleanliness. There's nothing to do with that. They were talking about ceremonial um, uncleanliness and cleanliness. This is what the Pharisees were dealing with. They, they came to Jesus and said, Why do your disciples not participate in this outward act, this ritual that all good Jews do to show that they are purified and ready to worship God? Um, the Jews believed in this, this whole complex, complicated system of clean and unclean. Things are either one or the other. You're either clean or you're unclean. This this pig is unclean. This right over here is clean. And if the unclean touches the clean, then everything is unclean. Ooh. It transmits that way. The, the dirty makes everything else dirty. The unclean makes everything else unclean. And so animals, foods, things, everything uh, could become contagious and unclean. And it was transferable, whether it's a skin disease, bodily discharge, a dead body, a pig, a mouse, these sort of things. Uh, were transmitted, and so say a mouse came across and touched the cup you're about to drink from. Well, my cup's unclean. We gotta somehow purify my my uh, my cup, and and so if you drank it, you became unclean, and then you touch somebody else, they're unclean. It's all this sort of elaborate system in place, and so the Jews, being very careful not to be unclean, and they don't want to worship God being unclean, would go through these rituals where they would they would pour water on themselves to symbolically cleanse themselves for God, and it was a uh, if, if you care about the, the details, it was one and one half eggshell full of water. That was the amount of water. You had to pour over your hands, fingers pointed upwards, water would have to run down your wrists like this, and then if it was poured over you and the water would, couldn't run and touch you because that would be unclean water, it had to touch and fall to the ground, and then everything was good to go unless a mouse came and got you again or something like that. So it was this whole elaborate thing, and Jesus... I believe he saw through all of the silliness of all of that and said, you know what, maybe that means something to somebody, but a lot of people, this is just a ritual that's so hollow. It, it doesn't connect to our hearts. And, and so it, it does remind me, though, Pastor Kerry wanted to mention that he is teaching a class on some Jewish elements, if you have any interest. He wanted me to, to put that out to you. So if that stuff interests you, he's teaching something May 16th. Um, i, I got to do my duty as son-in-law. He's teaching that, so Mike will be there, I'm sure. Yep. Um, so anyway, when Jesus sees this, he, he says, you know what? Okay, you're going to ask me about clean and unclean, washing hands. Um, how about this? How about you aren't even treating people with fairness? 
you're not treating people with kindness. How about all these other sort of things? And you're worried about my disciples washing uh, before the meal, in the middle of the meal, because they would wash in each course. They would wash their hands again just in case something happened. And he says, you know what? This is silly. And he says in verse 7 of 15, he says, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Sometimes our worship can be in vain. It can be hollow. It can be empty. And we can praise God externally. We can go through the motions of church and all these sort of things, but it really does not have any connection to the, the status of our heart and where we're at. This is, this is true. It happens all the time with people that look super spiritual and with people that look like they're not spiritual. It, 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 can, it, it can affect anybody at any time. We can have hollow worship unto God. So a lot of times when we talk about worship, when we want to talk about that for a moment today, we think about worship, a lot of times we think about music. We think about singing. We think about style. We think about maybe a worship atmosphere. If you've been to newer churches and modern churches, they got some smoke and some lights and they got the music pumping, and they give you earplugs when you come in. You ever been to a church like that? They hear, here's your earplugs, just in case. You know, so we don't have earplugs. Maybe we should some weeks because we don't have a sound person. And so sometimes the sound gets off, and then you need earplugs because somebody goofed it up or, or whatever it may be. But um, generally, we're not trying to blast you out of the, the, the room. Uh, but there's all sorts of things that we can think about and swirl around in our mind when we think of worship. Uh, this song, I really like the hymns when they have the hymns. I love the hymns. I, I don't like hymns. I, I, I like the newer songs. I don't like. And so we get all in these sort of things and we can get sideways about what worship is all about. Right. We may have a different church background. Maybe you grew up in a church setting where worship was very reverent. It was uh, someone you know, singing a song and you, you bowed your head, you just sang and you moved on, you sat down, you stand up. Maybe it was very ritualized. Maybe it was liturgy. Stand up, sit down. There was all these sort of things. Um, or maybe you grew up in a, a charismatic Pentecostal situation where they're like waving flags around and you got to dodge things um, because you're about to get hit in the head with the flag. And, you know, I mean, I've been in those churches where you got to be careful where you stand because it's dangerous, you know, because people are just worshiping God with no concern for your safety or anybody else around them. That's true. So it's all sorts of things. I actually have an interesting background. I went to a, a very um, conservative Baptist Christian school as a, as from first to seventh grade, I went to this school. And at the same time, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. So I had both of it. Like during the day, we'd go to chapel or something. At, at, you know, we have chapel. And they would sing all the old hymns. That you better not do nothing but sit there like this. We wouldn't even clap our hands. We wouldn't do anything. We'd just you know, sing the songs. And then we'd sit back down. And then somebody would say something that I had no idea. You know, they would just talk. And it would be, it had to be King James. That was the only thing that you know, could not be anything other than King James. If you like King James, not putting that down, but that had to be that. It couldn't be anything else. So it had to be King James. It had to be. And that's just, I went to that. And then I went to church maybe on Wednesday night or on Sunday. And then in my church, it actually is a Pentecostal church. was pretty moderate. It wasn't too wacky. Some churches are pretty wacky. Mine was pretty moderate. But there was people with freedom to do whatever. So there's people that kind of just sat. There's people lifting their hands. And there's always the one or two people that were like doing, you know, but they had space to do that. Um, but so I, I saw kind of both sides of, of worship and singing. But, you know, which one's right? Which one of those is right? And the question is both or neither? Both of those are right, maybe. 
or neither. Because worship isn't about a style. It's about the condition of our heart. If you don't get anything from what I'm saying this morning, worship is not about style. It's not about just singing. It's about the condition of our heart. God wants our hearts. He wants our hearts to be genuine and honest before Him. He'll take that before any of the outward stuff, any of the external things that we can do that look spiritual, that look you know, fantastic or look really reverent or whatever it may be. Um, God wants our hearts. It doesn't matter if, if you are very reverent and very sincere and you wear a button-up, three-piece suit, and you've got your Sunday best on and you're traditional, and you, but your heart isn't in it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how, if you wave a flag around and people are dodging you and, and you're going crazy and you're praising and dancing. If your heart is not in it and you're just doing that to show off and all this sort of thing, that some weird dynamic that can go on sometimes in Pentecostal churches, God is not pleased. Right. He wants our hearts. Think about my kids. If they said, Dad, we wrote you a song. Sometimes, back in the day, you guys did like little uh, iMovie videos and stuff. Hadn't seen one lately. Y'all can get it, though. You want to get back on that? You know? Uh, summer's coming. Uh, but they used to do little videos and do little stuff and like, hey, Dad, we wrote you a song. Uh, I'm not going to sit back as their father and say, you know what? That's not really my style. You know, I appreciate, uh, appreciate all the work you put in that, but I don't really like that at all, you know, because I'm more into like, you know, rock. You know, that's my style. I don't really like your whatever that was right there. You know, as, as a father, if I see the heart of my children coming before me, whatever the style is, whatever the, the however it comes to me, I, I see the heart. Yes. I don't worry about the, the, the way they bring it to me. They could be banging pots and pans. They could mm-hmm. be singing a cappella. It doesn't really matter because a father looks at the heart of his children. That's what he cares about. And that's what God our Father cares about is the condition of our heart. You know, this morning, I, you know, as I knew we were kind of talking about worship and things, it, it was funny. I was telling Lynn this when she came in. Um, you know, David, David you know, he's not doing well physically, I guess, and he had to go to the emergency room. Well, there goes our bass player. Darrell, I forgot, actually, that Darrell wasn't going to be here in the midst of the week. And then I was like, oh, wow. Well, my drummer and, and drummer slash keyboard player, you know, yeah, whatever, he does everything. He's not going to be here. I'm like, wow. Well, should I move this sermon to another week Cause so we can have our band? And I thought, well, no. This is a perfect week to talk about worship when things are not all in place. Right. When things are different, when we don't have the things that we normally are used to, this is when we really understand worship is not about all these things. Right. Worship is about our heart. Yes. Worship is about where we are with God. And, and do we want more of Him? Yes. Do we want more of Him? And if we do, not having a drummer, not having a bass player, um, not having your microphone turned on, whatever it may be. Uh, I fixed my phone. Thank you, son. Um, <laughs> all of those things fade into the background. If our heart is for God. Amen then all those things, uh, they don't matter as much. So here's what I want to do. I want to spend just a moment this morning uh, talking about how we do, how do we express our worship to God? Because we are a church that is Pentecostal, so we do believe that you have freedom to express God what's going on in your heart. And I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. Freedom to express your heart is a good thing. That's a biblical thing. Uh, forcing you to do things that are, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to, everybody gets a flag and everybody wait. I We're not going to do that. But freedom to, to express truly what's in your heart and not being judged if you raise your hands or you don't raise your hands or you bow. You know, that, that's what we want to be about. So, so number, one, number one is this. How do we express our worship? Here's a few ways we can do that. Sometimes we will bow in reverence. It's very appropriate when we worship God to bow before him. Why do we do that? 
Well, because he is, when we bow, we, we honor somebody that's above us. Mm-hmm. When we bow, just that motion of our body will say, you know what, God, you are over me. You are above me. Mm-hmm. You are greater than me. So in that expression of worship, we are saying something, even physically with our body. We're telling everything in us that God is above me. I'm not equal with him. I'm not like, you know, he's not the genie in the lamp that I rub and, and I tell him what to do, but I bow before him because he is above me. And I honor him as being God and the Lord of the universe. So bowing in reverence is important. It says this in Psalm 95, 6. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Let's bow and worship. This is all through the Bible. We bow before God. We come before him and we kneel in, in reverent submission. You are a holy God. You are greater than me. You are above me. And the Bible says that uh, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Every knee will bow. And there was a song that we, we used to sing it, uh, Come Now is the Time of Worship. Remember that one? Mm-hmm. The greatest treasures for those who choose to do that now. That we can choose to bow our knee now before the one we will eventually all bow before. We can bow before him today. You can go home in your, in your bedroom and bow before the Lord. You could, you could be wherever it may be. Maybe not on the job while you're in the middle of doing stuff. You just bow down, take a knee, do a Tebow or something, you know. Uh, maybe that you might uh, have to check with your boss on that. But uh, it's appropriate when we come to worship God to bow before him because he is worthy of our praise. It gives us, in that motion of our body, it gives our hearts a connection to a reality that God is uh, above us and, and worthy of our praise. Number two, sometimes we lift our hands in adoration. We lift our hands. Now, if you didn't have a Pentecostal background, when you came into a church that people lifted their hands, you're like, We're, why do these people have a question? Like, you know, <laughs> teacher, I have a question. Um, that's not what that is. I mean, people aren't asking a question, I don't think. Um, at least they weren't when, that I know, I'm aware of. Um, it, it's not something people just made up. It's, it's in the Bible. Uh, Paul says we lift up holy hands to the Lord um, without anger or disputing, 1 Timothy 2.8. Um, David said in Psalm 63, 4, I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will lift up my hands. Um, uh, Psalm 28, 2, Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help. I will lift up my hands toward your most holy place. So, uh, raising our hands is a sign of two different things. One is of surrender. All right? Cops have come. All right? You raise your hands. I surrender. You don't start running. <laughs> all right? You don't, you don't, don't do all that stuff. You raise your hands, all right? It'll go better for you. I surrender. I'm not running from you. I'm not trying to pull a gun on you. My hands are up, all right? So that's what we want to do. We, we show God, I surrender to you. I'm not running from you. This is a sign, outward sign, expression of worship. God, I surrender to you. Now, it can be hollow. If we just, that's the motion we go through. All right, I lift my hand at this part. When they, when they pray that chord and then they get into the chorus, I lift my hand and then I put it back down. Uh, and all this sort of stuff, that, that, that's hollow. But when it connects to our heart, when we say, God, I do, I surrender to you. I, I, I've been through a rough week, this is, but I come here this morning and I surrender my heart to you, then that's connected, that's genuine to our heart, and that gives God worship and praise that he deserves. And also, we lift our hands as a sign of victory. When you see a team win, when you hit the shot, Dane, that wins the game, but you wouldn't know how that worked, but uh, when you make that shot, I love you, man. Love you. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. I love. It. I couldn't resist. He had a rough weekend at the basketball tournament, but he did. He did do well. He had some good games. 
<laughs> All right, that was, that was cold, wasn't it? That was cold. I love you, man. So when you hit the shot, I don't know how that works either. I, I mean, I'll just be honest with you. I, I wouldn't know. But you lift your hands. Hey, we won, right? People in the stands cheering. Hands are up. High-fiving strangers they've never seen, met, don't even know who they are, but now we're connected somehow because our team won. We lift our hands in victory, right? And so these are the reasons that we lift our hands to God. Number three, sometimes we dance in celebration. Now, you may not be a very good dancer. Uh, you don't have to be a good dancer to dance before the Lord. That's a good thing. Some people cannot dance with, at all. You know, Some people don't have any rhythm. They have no skills. But, you know, you can dance in celebration before God, and God's not like, mm, you need to go to class. <laughs> you need to get some lessons. That's not good. Um, God says, uh, or it says in Psalm 149.3, Let them praise his name with dancing. Let him praise his name with dancing. And so the Bible tells us to, to dance before the Lord. Now, maybe there's appropriate times, maybe there's inappropriate times. But a lot of times, I think dancing, it's hard to fake that one. Like, I'm going to dance, but I don't really mean it. <laughs> I'm just dancing because, no, I mean, usually when you dance, it is connected to your heart. Because there's so much going on, so much joy, so much whatever, that you can't contain it. You just start hopping maybe a little bit, it just starts this way, and then it goes into something else, you know? So I believe that's one of those things. We just start expressing the joy and the praise in our hearts. We might just start dancing. Now, maybe you don't dance at the drop of a hat. Maybe, you know, it takes a little bit. But I know I've been in moments and times in worship where all of a sudden I was so excited, so fired up, and so happy to be there and to praise God. And I started dancing, and I can't dance at all. But I started doing the best I could. Um but we dance all the time when we get excited. It's just like we high-five when our team wins. People start dancing and cheering, maybe um, whatever it is. But we start dancing um, in life. And why would we not dance before the one that has given us everything? Right. Yeah. Amen? Right. Yeah. David said, you've turned my weeping into dancing. you turned my weeping into dancing. And, and, and maybe that's their story, that God has turned so much bad in your life into so much good that when you come before him and you think about all that, it really fires you up to dance before him because... He's turned your weeping into dancing. Set free, healed, and forgiven. God has given us so much, we can dance before Him in praise. Number four, sometimes you worship with a sacrifice of praise. This is important. Sometimes we worship with a sacrifice of praise. Hebrews 13, 15. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. We worship when we feel Him, and we worship when we don't. And this is a challenge because we want to be connected, we want to be authentic, and we want to worship from our heart. But at the same time, sometimes worship is a sacrifice of praise. We may come into church and we're like, you know what, this is truly the last place I want to be at this point. Like, I would rather be in my bed, I'd rather be, you know, in the park, I'd rather be at, you know, in the mall, I'd rather just not be here. And we come and it's like, I'm not really feeling it, I just, I know... At some point, this guy's going to stop talking. At some point, these, uh, you know, these songs are going to be over, and I can get on out of here. But God says, you know what? If you worship me with a sacrifice of praise, something may just change in your life. Yes. Something may just change in your life. When you say, you know what? I, I don't want to be here, but I know God deserves praise, and I'm going to step into that space, even though I don't feel it right now, because I know God's going to meet with me when I do that. Mm -hmm. um, worship isn't based on our circumstances. It's based on the character of our God. If it was based on our circumstances, churches would be pretty 
uh, boring. I mean, maybe they are, unfortunately, but uh, there would be not much praise going on because a lot of times people that come in, you can hear, man, that was a tough week. Wow, that was a tough week. And then one guy's got you know, an awesome week and praise more, and he's praising, but everybody else had a tough week. Well, now we're not going to praise this week because everybody had a hard week. <laughs> or if it's based on the character of God, every week we can come in no matter what it looked like, Amen. and we yeah. can praise him because he's worthy of praise. Amen. It's not about hype. It's about our heart. You know, sometimes we have to jumpstart our heart. I don't know if you've seen those things called defibrillators. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever use those. I try not to. Probably mess it up. But they, when somebody's heart is stopped, they use this electrical shock, and they, boom, they charge them back up. And sometimes our heart comes into church, and it's almost dead. Just be real. You walk in there, and it just you're not feeling anything. You're just numb. And we need a jump start on our heart. And then somehow, some way, because I've experienced this, I mean, many times, where I've just come into church because that's where I just, as a pastor or as just a young person, I always went. And then I just had to go because I'm like a pastor, so you kind of have to go to church. And so always find myself here on a Sunday or somewhere on Sunday. But it doesn't mean every time I come, my heart is ready to just praise God. Sometimes I'm thinking about things all other all the way around just like you do. you know. And, and so we need a jump start in our heart. And sometimes it's the willingness to make a sacrifice of praise. Mm-hmm. God, I don't feel anything right now, but I know that you're worthy of this. And I'm going to begin to praise you and lift you up. Um, with my words and with my heart. <coughs> um, there's a tension here between being honest and genuine, yet being stuck <laughs> and being dead, and feeling fake at first, yet pushing past our situation to praise God as He deserves. So you can sit there and be like, well, I don't feel anything. And when I feel something, I'll praise. Uh, when, I, when I start feeling better, then I, I know. Because I went about two years like this as a, as a high schooler. I didn't feel a thing. I go to youth group, I don't feel a thing. I don't even know if I believe in God. That's, I, I'm literally, I, I feel called to ministry, but I'm sure I believe in God. I went through two years. I had so much doubt, so much confusion, so much stuff going on in my life. I just sat there. Two straight years in youth group. Sat there. Go back to school. And it was like, so. I mean, it was so weird. And at some point I realized, you know what? I got to get out of this. This is, this is terrible. Like, I don't want to keep living like this. And so... I had to take a step of faith because that's what the, God's asking us to do. Uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. If you just sit back there and say, well, once God shows up and does something, then I'll believe. No, sometimes we have to take a step of faith. So, you know what, God, I choose to believe in you. I, I've had enough experience in my life. I've had enough things. I'm going I'm to trust you. And I took a step of faith probably after about two years. And so, you know, I'm going to stand up. And every time I started, every time there's a song and a worship time, I'm going to go to the front. And I'm going to just, I'm going to be like the one that lifts his hand. I mean, I just, I just like made myself do it. And all of a sudden God started doing stuff in my life mm-hmm. and started changing my heart mm-hmm. because I, I made a sacrifice and, and I took a step of faith and said, this is, uh, you know, I, I felt called to ministry as like a 13 year old, but now I'm going through this doubt and confusion and all this sort of stuff. It, I, I can't live like this. And I took a step of faith and I started saying, I'm every altar call I'm going, whatever it is, I don't even know what it is. If it's about the, the weirdest stuff, I'm up there anyway, you know, I mean, I, I'm going to every altar call. I'm going to every because I want God to change my life. Yeah. I don't want to be stuck in this yeah. anymore. And what happened is God began to change my life. Yes. He began to transform my heart. He began to do something new in me and make me a different person. I look at Paul and Silas singing hymns in Acts sixteen twenty five. The Bible says that other the other prisoners were listening to them. 
Sometimes our praise is not even for us. It's for those around us. Because God didn't put you here on the earth just for you. He didn't put you here just so that you could have a life that was comfortable or that was um, enjoyable. He put you here to impact other people, no matter who you are. Some people are going to make a crazy big impact, and they'll be famous or whatever. And some people impact people in ways they'll never know. But God has not put anybody here just for them. Amen. And right. so sometimes our praise is, is not just for us, but it's for those around us. Yes. And, and our hearts being alive in God is not just for us. It's for the people that we're supposed to be ministering to. Because when our hearts are dead, we can't touch anybody. Amen. And so I want to challenge you this morning. When you think about praise, don't just think about, well, you know, I'm not feeling it this week or whatever it may be. You know, if everybody did that, church would be the most, like I said, be the most boring place. Nobody would want to be here. Why do we all come? What's the point? Let's all go home. Mm-hmm. But when one person says, you know what, maybe I don't want to be here, but I know God's worthy. And they start praising and they say, you know what? Mike's man, he's he's praising God like crazy. I know that kind of challenges me. I want to praise God more. And then we, every, all of a sudden, we got this atmosphere of worship in this place where we're all seeking God in a greater way. We're challenging each other. We're rubbing each other um, the right way. And we're, we're we're iron sharpening iron, as the Bible says. Lynn, if you come now as I kind of wrap this up. Number five, often we worship God by first bringing Him our hurt and brokenness. We worship God by first bringing him our hurt and brokenness. This is important because do you know that one-third of all of the psalms, which are, uh, which are basically worship to God, the psalms are uh, songs of worship to God, one-third of all the psalms are what they call laments. They're not breath mints, they're laments. You know? uh, these are, yeah, they're not the same thing. Laments are, are when you're complaining to God about your life. Listen to me. There's a place for us to be honest about the hurt and pain in our life. It's in the Bible. It's one-third of what what demonstrates how we should worship. One-third of the time we come to God, God, my life is bad. I don't like this. And there's a place for that. God says, okay, cool. I'm ready to connect with you. I think sometimes we have hollow worship because we're afraid to be honest. We think, well, at church, you gotta have, you gotta have you just everything buttoned up, ironed, looking great, everything's cool. Hey, brother, how you doing? Hey, sister, you know, and all this sort of stuff. And really, truly, inside, man, things are not great. We gotta go through these motions and show a good face, and there's pressure to do that. The problem is when you constantly do that, you never change. So, the Bible teaches us one third of the time in the Psalms. People like David is saying, God, I don't like my situation. Now, it doesn't preclude him from eventually praising God, but that's how he starts. Sometimes you might want to start when you come into church with just maybe the first song or two saying, God, <laughs> I got a burden. And I, I'm not going to ignore it and say, oh, I just I left it at the door when I came in. But God, I give it to you. That's one of the most important things we can do is I don't just ignore all the problems in my life. I bring them before the Lord, and I give them to Him. That's why we come. Not to say, oh, yeah, everything's great. Everything is awesome. You know, if you watch the Lego movie, right? Everything is awesome. No, it's not. Sometimes things are not awesome. And God wants us to be honest with Him about that. Because when we do that, we start to grow and mature and go deeper with Him. 
And it, it's not about religion at that point. It's about a relationship with God. Amen. We need to bring our hurt and our brokenness to Him. Psalm 142, 1 and 2. With my voice I cry out to the Lord. With a voice, my voice I plead for mercy for the Lord. I pour out my complaint before Him. I will tell my trouble before Him. This is David pouring out my complaint to God. And these laments in the, in the Psalms, the writers pour out their sorrow. One, Psalm 137, their anger. Psalm 140, their fear. Psalm, Psalm 69, their longing. Psalm 85, confusion. Psalm 102, desolation. Psalm 22, repentance. Psalm 51, disappointment. Psalm 74, depression. Psalm 88. These are all real ways that we can worship and enter into worship with God is when we bring who we really are before Him. This, the most powerful way to enter into a genuine relationship with God is when you're real with Him. And I want to challenge each one of us to do that this morning. Whatever we're facing, whatever our hurt, whatever our brokenness, to bring that before God and give it to Him. Trust Him with it. He's the one that made you. He's the one that can remake you and make you who, you want, who He wants you to be. Sometimes we can let our pain be a barrier before us and God. But really, our pain is, is a pathway to connecting with God. Our pain and our hurt is a, a, a pathway to connect with His grace and His mercy and His unending love for each one of us. Even in our mistakes, even in our shame, even in our guilt, God will come and pour His love into our life like we, we don't even understand. And it's so powerful, it's so real, it's so awesome that it will transform who we really are. And finally, this church, that number six, daily we lay down our lives as an act of worship. We lay down our lives as an act of worship. Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Worship isn't the songs we sing, it's the life that we live. At the end of the day, it's not even about the songs, it's about the life that we end up living. Our life is to be a life of worship to God. We give it our lives to Him so that we can live for His plan, not our own. And He may totally redirect the course of our life, or He may just gently nudge us in the path we're already on. But we give Him the, the opportunity to do that. Say, God, I give you my life so that you can direct me and I don't have to direct myself. I don't lean on my own understanding. I lean on your wisdom. Church, if you would stand to your feet, we're going to conclude our service today. We're going to just sing a couple more songs. I think it would be good for us wherever you may be this morning. Maybe you came in full of joy. Everything in your life is just, man, it's great. God has touched you and he's healed you he's done some things that you're just excited about maybe you want to get up and dance and you want to praise god that way maybe you came in and it's not great maybe you came in and there's a lot of heaviness and burdens on your shoulder and maybe the best thing you do is just bring that honestly before god and say lord here i am please please come and meet me in this spot this is truly where i'm at and i need you right now god is our our rock remember this who is our god he's our rock He's our redeemer. He's our righteousness. God's our deliverer. He's our defense. He's our strength. He's our shield and our salvation. This is the God we serve. 
He's the bread of life. He's the living water. He's the good shepherd. He's the true vine, the way, the truth, and the life. He's the light of the world. Jesus is the Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah. He's all-powerful. He's all-powerful. That means there's nothing that's too hard for Him. He's all-knowing. It means He knows everything in your life already anyway. There's no need to hide. He already knows. And He's ever-present. The Bible says He's an ever-present help in a time of need. He's the Alpha and He's the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. This is the God we worship. This is the God we serve. Don't get stuck in a rut in your worship. Don't get stuck in hollow actions and motions that aren't connected to your heart. Worship God from your heart. Step out. Go deeper. Pursue God with more passion. I challenge you to be honest and real this morning. God is worthy of all of our praise. God is worthy of all of our worship. Jesus, we come to you this morning. We thank you, God, that you love us so much. We thank you, God, that you have a purpose for our lives, that you've created us for a reason. And God, even when we can't see through our circumstances, we can't see through our hurt, we can't see through our our brokenness, God, we can't see forward. Lord, you already have gone ahead of us and prepared the way. Jesus, you have already prepared a way for us. And so we come this morning, God, we ask that you would meet with us, that we would lift up worship to you that's from a pure heart, from a genuine heart, from an honest heart. And God, I pray that for those that are hurting this morning, that you would lead them out of that pain. It may be a process. It may be a moment. I don't know. But God, I pray you begin to give them a new perspective, a new way of seeing the life that you have given them. And God, I pray that you open our eyes to see you fresh and new. God, if church has become routine, if worship has become something we just do, God, open our hearts and our eyes to see you fresh and new this morning. Because you are worthy of all praise. You are worthy of all praise, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah.